30 years ago, everything you see behind me here was nothing but cornfields. Today, this is one of the largest, maybe the largest, automotive manufacturing facility in the United States. On AutoLine this week, we're helping Honda commemorate 30 years of manufacturing in America. Production of AutoLine this week is underwritten in part by Hyundai, TrueCar, and did you know advanced high-strength steels are the leading material used by automakers to achieve the new fuel economy standards? Advanced high-strength steels are lighter in weight and reduce greenhouse gas emissions without compromising safety, performance, or affordability. Steel, a sound, sustainable investment. Today, tomorrow, and beyond. For more information, visit autosteel.org. You know why I pulled you over, ma'am? I need you to recalibrate the Doppler shift on the return signal. Radar's on the frisk. Do Sonata drivers know something you don't? The Sonata from Hyundai. And now, here is your host, John McElroy. Jeff, I remember 30 years ago when Honda first broke ground here to start building motorcycles. And now I come here, it's this gigantic facility. Yeah. Bring us up to speed real quick. From then to now, what are you making these days? Quite a history. We're building the four-door Accord and two-door Accord that was just launched here in uh, August. Uh, we also build the Acura TL on our line. Um, very exciting time. We just got done building the Acura RDX and moved that next door as it started its full model change. And uh, we're building a car about every 54 seconds off of each line. So this plant has capacity for about 1,900 units per day. And That's a lot of cars. That's bigger than I think any other facility in the United States. It is. It is. And I think you've been through the plant to see, but it's quite an accomplishment to see uh, both lines moving. You could almost put Beethoven's music behind it because it is quite a symphony to see it to go from a coil of steel as it enters the door to going out the back door as a quality product to our customers. So. Uh, it's a real exciting time for us. And you're just talking about this plant here in Marysville, Ohio. If you, you stand up and look around in the surrounding area, Honda has even a bigger manufacturing footprint. That's right. In North America, you know, 30 years ago, we were the first plant here in Ohio, the first plant in North America for Honda. Uh, since then, uh, today we produce uh, on an annual basis about 1.62 million units between all of our plants, which is seven today. Um, soon we'll be introducing the eighth plant, and by 2014, we'll be really close to 2 million units, 1.92 to be exact, but I'm sure we'll be there. But uh, it's quite a credit to, from 30 years ago, where we were and determining whether or not we'd even be successful to be where we are today at producing uh, upwards of 2 million units for North America. And 95% of what we produce from a Honda and Acura standpoint uh, is obviously for our North American operations. So. Uh, our original thought of manufacturing where we sell uh, has really uh, proved to be uh, uh, strong for both ourselves and our customers here in North America. But there's a lot of questions back then, whether American workers could build to the quality that Japanese workers do, whether American suppliers could do the same yeah. sort of thing. I think you answered those questions, though. Well, I think we did. I think we took that as a challenge. And, you know, every day of our 30 years has been a challenge. We just look at the different challenge and approach it as a team. And the original associates that uh, hired in here to work, um, they wanted to make sure that this was successful. They wanted to prove to a lot of folks that, hey, in a farm community, we can put manufacturing and we can be successful. 
And I, I always say that it's a hybrid relationship between the Japanese who came here to teach us their method and process. I mean, we understood how to manufacture, but manufacture the way uh, to be increased efficiency uh, took a little bit from them to teach us. And then to take our uh, know-how in manufacturing, a lot of hard-working farming community folks, and bring those two together, I think was really important and it paid off. And uh, I think the results of it, here we sit 30 years, I'm honored to be the plant manager of this plant on this anniversary and uh, to work with all these associates who really um, put a legacy together, I think not just for Honda in North America, for probably the automotive industry. One of the keys to me as an outsider looking in is the level of employee involvement that mm -hmm. Honda has here. Go through that a little bit of how people can literally score points for coming up with yeah. suggestions and yeah. how you reward them on that. Yeah, whether it's a safety related or a process improvement or a quality improvement, um, associates have the ability to raise their hand at any time and, and make those ideas and suggestions, and they do daily. And uh, we recognize them. We go line side if they have a process improvement. We go and have safety or ergo cups uh, that we talk about. We have a technical festival where associates can actually compete in a skills challenge. They'll see how quick they can shoot a bolt or how efficient they can be driving a tow mower. Um, so we create a lot of competition, and there's a lot of pride by those associates. You know, as management or engineers, we can walk the line every day and we can see the vehicle being built but we can't see completely, touch, hear, and feel what those associates feel every day when they assemble that car. Um, and that sense that they use every day provides them with an advanced opportunity to raise their hand and identify improvements uh, in process. They have no issue speaking to engineers about why a process was developed this way. So we recognize those associates in as many ways as we can. And it's very exciting. Uh, there's different point totals that they hit um, where they'll get a trophy or we have associates uh, who get awarded new cars every year because of the amount of involvement that they've had. So that's very gratifying. And when we see those big awards, they're typically not in one category for just safety or quality. They've participated in the entire process going forward, and uh, it's really exciting to uh, recognize them. And I think that's why we're here today, 30 years later, producing a quality product and one that our customers really appreciate. What do you think Honda has learned over these 30 years with setting up this manufacturing operation? A Japanese company coming into America, first really major overseas investment for Honda, uh, at least in automobiles. What do, you, what do you think the company learned out of doing this? Well, I think we learned we could do it, right? I mean, we, we uh, bridged and want us, we wanted to say we want to manufacture where we sell and it started with motorcycles. I mean, we're an engine company, a motorcycle racing company. But we knew automobiles were important. So we knew after introduction of the motorcycle that we wanted to put this auto plant here. And I think once we determined that we could be successful, line one was added, line two was added, and I think we understood that there was a good mix of uh, participation between the associates and the Japanese teaching us and training us that operation and now they've taught us to the point where as we've expanded in North America to these other seven facilities many of the associates leading those companies or supporting engineering functions or manufacturing operations or even creating layout of the facilities have been done by the associates that come out of Marysville Auto Plant and uh, you know today we still have many of the associates from Japan who trained us many years ago, who come back, many of which are retired now, but they still visit Ohio to visit us 
because it's such a pride point for them that they had a significant impact on the growth of Honda globally. Because finally, when we made it successful here, we expanded in North America, and I think that gave Honda the footprint to go globally with that same type of approach. It did, and yet you're exporting cars out of this plant all around the world. That's right. Uh, In the beginning of December, John, we'll celebrate our one millionth export unit. And our first one was shipped in 1988 to Japan. Uh, We're now shipping to quite a few countries. With the Accord, we have five new countries that we're exporting to. And uh, we've announced that by 2014, we're going to be exporting over 200,000 units a year. So um, that is a great way to, to show that American quality is strong globally um, because it's not important for us just to satisfy our local customers. We want to satisfy our global customers. And I think we're doing that with our exports today. And I think with increasing it to 200, we'll continue to do that. that that's a nice round number there. What's next? What, what, I mean, where do you see this 30 years from now? 30 years from now, I think it's the responsibility of our team right now to set the legacy going forward. I think we all want to be those retired folks coming back in 10, 15, 20 years with a sense of pride that Honda's continued to grow. Our challenge uh, will be to grow as a global mother. And what that means to us is to be able to take this new high-selling Accord, Civic, and CRV and making that global platform established here in the U.S., Uh, Currently, it's uh, housed in Japan, where many of our associates and teams go back to Japan to help develop develop that vehicle. But we're going to do that here from a development standpoint, manufacturing standpoint, and then also an overall engineering. That's real impressive to see Honda not just, uh, at first, assemble vehicles here, but now you're just about developing the whole value of the vehicle. That's right. Down the street, we have 1,500 engineers that uh, support these facilities. We have a engine and transmission facility uh, located about 30 minutes and 40 minutes from here, respectively. Um, the local content in these vehicles exceed 85%, and that means it is manufactured uh, in this area. Uh, we have an impact. We purchased more than $20 billion with the B of parts here in North America from local suppliers. So um, it is a sense of pride. And I think going to that next direction to be able to develop the model here locally with all of our resources will be the next big challenge and sense of pride. And I have no doubt that we will be able to do that. Jeff Tomko, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Karen, here I come to visit a manufacturing plant, and we're standing out in this beautiful little forest here. What's Honda's involvement with where we're standing? Well, we're standing at the headwaters of the Big Darby. Um, Which is what? What's the Darby? Oh, the Big Darby is a national and state scenic waterway. Um, It's uh, known for its very diverse habitats. And this is the headwaters, which starts on our manufacturing plant site, uh, the Honda Marysville East Liberty plant site. And... uh, Honda's been working for over 20 years in a partnership with the Nature Conservancy, and one of the results of that partnership is this Big Darby uh, Preserve. And what's Honda doing with this place? I mean, you're not just mowing the lawn or something like that. (laughs) What are you doing here? No, no. We work with the Nature Conservancy to um, basically acquire rights to the land to set up this preserve, and uh, and it, it protects, we work with them to protect the headwaters of the Big Darby. Um, basically, the headwaters are where the springs and other sources of water actually turn into a permanent year-round spring. And so 
um, that creates a very diverse, um, ecologically important uh, type of uh, uh, type of, of land. So as this waterway winds its way through the land where your manufacturing facilities are, you're making sure it stays as pristine as it comes bubbling out of the springs from the ground. Is that right? Well, that's close. Um, we, uh, our manufacturing plants sit on tributaries to this headwaters. And so we've spent a lot of effort over the past 30 years um, with our manufacturing plants, making sure that uh, we don't degrade the, uh, the water quality at the headwaters of the Big Darby. Um, some of the ways that we've done that is we've added retention ponds over the years. And retention ponds are really just ponds that, um, that slow down the flow of water when you have rain events. So it gives the water a place to go. So, so it can filter through the, the soil, that is, instead of just spilling right over into it? Right. So it just doesn't run off so fast and take all the debris and that sort of thing with it. Um, we've also done a lot of work creating wetlands on our site. Um, wetlands are basically areas that transition from land to waterways. And we've got right now over 800 acres of wetlands on our site. And these wetlands help protect the water quality for the Big Darby because basically what happens is water comes into them, it slows way down, um, the wetlands are then able to filter out sediment and um, nutrients and other pollutants that if they went into the Big Darby itself could potentially cause problems downstream. So do you run around counting geese and foxes <laughs> and all kinds of other wildlife? Well, not so much, um, but we are excited about the wildlife that we have here. In fact, uh, this past year, we noticed that we have a bald eagle nest here on our site right now. So um, that, we were really excited about that, having a nesting pair of bald eagles. Um, the wetlands provide a, a, uh, a really good resting place and nesting place for a lot of different types of birds, um, particularly mi migratory type birds. Uh, so that's another benefit of having the wetlands here um, on our site. It also provides a lot of diversity in terms of uh, any kind of animal that you might think of. So we have beavers and raccoons and a tremendous deer population and you know all the, all the animals that used to be here way back when before the farmers divided it up and, and started farming. Honda's recognized as a company that's very green, great fuel efficiency, low emissions and all that. Clearly you're here to show that it's not just the cars. No, it's not just the cars. We pay a lot of attention to our manufacturing operations and one of the goals that we've had for um, about 10 years is to really try to improve the environmental sustainability of our manufacturing operations. Um, we have a name for that. We call it our Green Factory Initiative. Um, we focus on trying to eliminate waste and we've, we're very, we were very proud to announce uh, last year that we have achieved zero landfill, um, which means that basically very little of our waste goes to landfill anymore. Um, over 98% of the waste that we generate is now recycled or goes to uh, energy recovery type operation. Um, we've reduced our uh, air emissions tremendously. Um, as you may know, uh, automobile, automobile plants have a lot of painting operations, which typically have organic emissions. Um, when they go out into the air, uh, they can contribute to forming smog, um, which is something we all want to avoid. And so over the years, we've, reduced, we've been able to reduce our organic emissions by about half, um, basically by uh, innovating and renovating our, our painting equipment. That's, um, a, that's a really good statistic to see that even though the, the whole operation here is growing, you're reducing yep. your emissions. And yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's really amazing because we, we have, uh, like you said, grown significantly um, since we started here 30 years ago. And yet when you go back and look at what our environmental footprint at that time was, we're much smaller than we were 
today. Thanks for bringing me up to speed on that, Karen. You're welcome. Jim, when Honda first built a, an assembly plant here, a lot of the critics said, oh, it's just a screwdriver facility. Mm -hmm. They import all the parts, they screw it all together, and it's really not adding a whole lot of value to mm -hmm. the American economy. But this place has really grown since then. Oh, it's, it, it started that transition very quickly. Uh, of course, we really started production here in 19, well, um, 1982, late 1982. Only a few years later, actually I came in and joined the company in 1988 in the midst of our strong push to localize and to develop a lot of local suppliers. Uh, it, it quickly became evident to us that we couldn't really become competitive and truly become a North American automaker if we were bringing in all our parts from, from Japan or overseas. So one of our biggest efforts and one that maybe isn't quite so visible to many people was the development of the supply base. Uh, of course, uh, today, uh, this year, we'll probably be close to $20 billion in purchases in, uh, across North America. And we've uh, got a very solid supply base uh, consisting of at least 600 or close to 600 OEM suppliers plus I don't know how many other MRO suppliers. But it wasn't that way in the beginning. In fact, oh, a absolutely. lot of suppliers complained that they couldn't break down the barriers to get in here. And I remember mm -hmm. one story of some local stamping company that wanted business so bad, they bought an Accord, mm -hmm. tore it apart, yes. figured out that they could make the jack, mm -hmm. and came back and pitched you guys on that. So mm -hmm. you've really had to nurture and teach suppliers how to well, sell to Honda, right? Well, ab absolutely. The entire business model is a little bit different because a lot of the typical and traditional, say, uh, businesses in the U.S. kind of took what we call, might call a hunter mentality to their purchasing. They go out, bid a bunch of people, take the low bid, and bring it in. We had a different kind of relationship with our suppliers, and we still do. It's more, you might call it a farmer mentality, where we really try to develop, work with the supplier in a long-term relationship, and get stronger and more competitive by working closely together. That was a little foreign to a lot of the local suppliers, and it has, in a sense, it's difficult to get in to, to begin developing that relationship. But once it's there, it's a long, long-term relationship and we continue to grow together. And we have a number of suppliers that we've continued to grow with over the, the years. The other thing that to uh, Honda does here that's uh, so interesting to me is you do so much of your tooling, your own stamping mm -hmm. dies mm -hmm. and the like. Mm -hmm. What's some of the philosophy about doing that in-house rather than buying mm -hmm. it on the outside? Well, actually, we do buy some of it on the outside, but we kind of control the process internally. Uh, in other words, by control the process, I mean we are in charge of the designing. We work very closely with the R&D group as they're developing a car, and we work with them to make sure that it can be stamped in, for instance, we target five processes, no more than five processes. Sometimes it means we have to tweak the design or or approach it a little bit differently, or sometimes we have to change the technology of the die set in order to achieve that. Now, we still do use a lot of outside sources to manufacture the, the dies and some of the equipment as well, but uh, we especially try to control the process, the engineering. We don't rely on outside engineering so much for the basic technology of how to do it. So. And that's the other thing that's been very impressive is how much R&D Honda does mm -hmm. in the United States mm -hmm. right now. You know, you, you manufacture cars. We mm -hmm. talked about doing some of the tooling here, but 
Honda, uh, up until recently, developed its truck products, mm -hmm. like the, the Pilot right. and the MDX right. and the Ridgeline. Right. Here in the U.S., now you're moving to passenger cars. Well, uh, that's true. And we've done some passenger cars, but especially we've focused on those kind of those vehicles that were really focused on the North American market. Uh, of course, uh, obviously, Pilot and MDX, those are made to American taste. That's a kind of, the SUV is kind of an American uh, icon, and, and it's not so popular in the rest of the world. So, of course, those products are developed here uh, as well. But we've done, a lot of the Acuras have been developed here over the years. Some of the uh, I believe the one of the first models we developed here as an exclusive model was the two-door Accord, the Accord Coupe. Uh, but that was taking uh, platforms that were developed right. in yeah. Japan that's and right. doing a variation that's here. Right. I'm talking about clean sheet. Well, and, and that's how we've developed. That's how we started by doing derivation of existing models. But now we're doing complete platforms here, the light uh, truck platform. And we are starting to approach, well, we are starting to get into the realm of developing global models. So we are moving a lot of the resources here. We're focusing a lot of the growth here in North America. Uh, we've clearly got a big competitive, competitive edge, especially over Japan right now. Uh, so the global models will be more and more developed here in North America, and we will be more leading the, uh, 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 the technology and the know-how as we disperse it through the world for production in or Turkey or England or uh, Thailand or China, wherever it happens to be. So, Another thing that caught everybody by surprise is when Honda announced it was going to develop the next generation NSX sports car mm -hmm. right here in Ohio mm -hmm. because that's such a high-tech car. It's such a low-volume, mm -hmm. high, very expensive, flagship of the company kind mm -hmm. of a car. It was amazing to see that that would be developed. Mm -hmm. The next one is being developed here. That is just one more step in that growth and that development. Uh, the, the truth is, for the high volume manufacturing, as well as some of the high tech manufacturing, such as the NSX, more and more that manufacturing base is moving to, or the primary manufacturing base is moving to North America because we have the bigger market. Uh, we have better competitiveness. Uh, and we have developed a lot of technology over the years. So we are now in a position to be able to lead something like NSX. Certainly, when I joined the company almost 25 years ago, we were not in a position to take on a challenge like that. But we think we are now. So. Well, it's amazing to see how much Honda is moving out of Japan to the U.S. In fact, mm -hmm. I remember back in the, the 90s, there were even talk of the company moving its headquarters mm -hmm. to the United mm -hmm. States. Yes. But where do you see it going from here? Well, of course, we've moved to a very much of a regional model. That is, there's a lot of autonomy within Honda for the various regions. Uh, so North America has really, is of all those regions, is probably the most developed. And uh, also because of the size of our market and the, the uh, know-how that we've developed over the years, we're taking more and more of a leadership role. I don't want to say a leadership role, but a equal partner uh, role and in some areas leadership, yes. So uh, you think we'll see more manufacturing here, more R&D? Uh, we, we're certainly seeing a lot more uh, manufacturing, a lot more focus on the manufacturing. We are seeing a lot more export products, of course, that we are both building and in a lot of cases we're, we're exporting a lot of the components, and a lot of parts from our North American supply base, uh, that same one that we've been working on for 25 years. Uh, 
so it's becoming more of a, a global uh, center. Um, you know, it's, it's continuing to be a partnership. Japan's going to support us in some areas. We're supporting them in, in other areas where we've maybe developed some level of expertise. Um, and as we reach into the other regions, maybe South America, um, Southeast Asia, China, uh, we'll be doing, uh, we'll be sharing more of that burden of supporting them. So, so I, I won't say we will be the center, but we are going to be a, a major center for Honda going into the future. So. Okay, you personally have been here for a quarter of a century. Right. Uh, the, the first motorcycle plant right. started a little when, bit before that. Right. When I started here, I was a very young man. <laughs> <laughs> As you look back and reflect on it all, what, do you, what have you learned out of all this? Oh, boy. Um, I, I don't know where to start on that, but I think probably most of all the need for an individual initiative. It's something that's really stressed within Honda, within the culture. Um, I, was I learned very quickly when I came in here, and I worked for somewhat of a crusty Japanese guy, and I had a heck of a time pleasing him because I was trying to figure out what did he want, what did he want from me, and to deliver that. That's kind of the way you get by in a lot of organizations here. And it was never satisfying him. Finally, I just gave up and said, I'm going to do it my way. And I did. And he, interestingly enough, that's exactly what he was looking for. He was looking for me to take the initiative and add my own thought to it. And that's really a big part of what I have gained from this company, the, the uh, confidence to take the initiative, to think for myself, so to speak. And that's really what we're trying to build within all of our associates, that kind of spirit to take the initiative. If you see something wrong, let's figure out how to fix it. Let's attack the, project, or the problem and let's fix it. Don't, deal, don't just uh, go to your boss and ask for, for an answer. Give him a suggestion. Give him an idea. That, that's probably the most important thing I've learned. So It's been an interesting ride, though. So. I'll bet it has. Well, Jim, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Very well, thank you very much, John. I appreciate it. Thank you. Production of Auto Line This Week is underwritten in part by Hyundai, True Car, and did you know advanced high-strength steels are the leading material used by automakers to achieve the new fuel economy standards? Advanced high-strength steels are lighter in weight and reduce greenhouse gas emissions without compromising safety, performance, or affordability. Steel, a sound, sustainable investment. Today, tomorrow, and beyond. For more information, visit autosteel.org. Because plants need water to grow. Because baseball's played in the summer. Oxygen and hydrogen. Because I forgot to get a receipt. Why? Why not? Why? Why don't you go ask your dad? Do Sonata drivers know something you don't? The Sonata from Hyundai. Eight generations of Accord later. 11 million units in production later. This place isn't just running along. It's booming. They're going to increase production here. That is quite a statement. So Honda, I salute you for the last 30 years and here's to the next 30.